Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220. In 98.1 FM. Well, we've been doing this show for over seven years. And for over seven years, every week we have a show on business. We're either interviewing somebody to learn something about business. So it could be a Facebook ad. It could be, hey, I'm still using postcards. You know, it still works for me, right? A multitude of things. Or we also have founders. So basically people that can show you, hey, I started with, you know, a puzzle in my bedroom. And now today I'm bigger than Mattel. You know, we've had all those. In fact, one of our guests was the founder of Oatly Milk. So Oat Milk came was on our show. We've had a lot of other people. Today we have a great guest. But everybody asks us, you know, why is Ask Brian spelled with an E and why is the show called Ask Brian? Your name is Peter. And so we do have somebody here that's going to try to help us out, my co-host of many years, Tracy. Tracy, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me okay? I'm coming to you live from Orlando, Florida today, so I'm excited to be able to be so remote. <laughs> so uh, how's Mickey doing? Um, I haven't seen Mickey yet, but I'm sure he's just around the corner. I think that's what I'm going to do after the radio show. Well, And that's another E, by the way, Epcot Center, right? <laughs> yes, Epcot Center, good one. But we have some E's that connect to Ask Ryan in a way that is really wonderful for entrepreneurs, another one of our favorite E's. And it starts with, of the, course. It our favorite, though. With our, our engineer. Our show could not happen without her. <laughs> she is the show. We wouldn't be able to produce not, anything. Let's not we get crazy. We wouldn't be able to produce anything. I couldn't be live hey, Orlando to press, press without Ben <laughs> being able to make it all magical, right? <laughs> it is magical. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that we could not do without is our experts. And we have a great, another great one today. And our experts, well, we like to fall back on the idea that to be an expert in your industry or your niche, you've got to have invested at least 10,000 hours in your business category. And that mathematical figure, which, Peter, you always put on me, and I thank you for that, not really. Anyway, we'll just go with the best way I know how to say it, which is to get to that 10,000 hours, you've got to work approximately 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year or so over the course of five years. Well, we all know, and, and if you're listening right now and you're a startup, you know that working 40 hours a week is likely not happening. It's more like 60. The other day, I had something about 80 hours. I was like, okay, that's even crazy for me. And so that could shortcut that learning curve down to just a few years. But most of our experts, Peter, and I'm sure you would agree, have way more than 10,000 hours in their specialty, wouldn't you say? Well, I don't know anybody that does. It doesn't. You know, you have to have 10,000 hours. I mean, listen, even when I was practicing law and started out my career, until I was practicing for five years, which again was not 40 hours a week, but even then, it took me about four to five years to really figure it out and have all most of the responses that I currently have. Yes. And so that leads us to our core mission and values for the Ask Brian radio show is all about the education. And that's why the experts are so critical because they've provide so much great education for our listening audience. 
And then we like to throw in a little enthusiasm along the way, right? Because you are a big fan of... Excitement! Oh, boy, I am so glad I took that Tylenol before the show. <laughs> Except I didn't warn the guest. Now he's like going, I can't hear you anymore. What did you say? What did you say? Oh, my gosh, I know. Well, my AirPods are blown out, so I just don't even know what to say about that. But I know you don't you don't really understand empathy, but Jen and I, we have empathy. What does that right, mean? Jen? It's built in, mean? yes. We, empathy. We I never understand heard it and own it. Yeah. I never heard of such a thing. <laughs> Jen, I can't even give him the definition of empathy anymore because I've tried so many times. Do you want to give him the definition? I don't. I think he just skips right Ooh, over it. He empathy. can't be bothered. Yeah, It's too big a word. <laughs> I need okay. easy words like E-A-S-Y. Uh-huh. That's an easy word. Word with an e. <laughs> okay, that is an e. That is an easy word with an e. And I think that because of the amazing guest that we have today, I think we should just skip my favorite e. And if you listen to the show, you know what it is. But if you don't, Peter, what is my favorite e? Well, it's f- because of you like Olivia Newton-John when she was alive, <laughs> and because you love that movie and play. By the way, because it started out as a Broadway play, that show called Grease. And in that show, they say, Grease Lightning is... Electrifying! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> All right. And I think we've proven here today that we're pretty electrifying. <laughs> we are, we are, we are. <laughs> so without any further ado, A-D-I-E-U, only one consonant, we are going to start the show. And uh, if our guest hasn't said, what did Liberty get me into? But uh, hopefully he's still around. Robert, yeah, you there? <laughs> are you there, Robert? Yes, I am. Yes, I'm here. You <laughs> guys are very lively. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? And we're crisscrossing the country. I'm in Boston. You're in Orlando. You're, it looks like Los Angeles. Absolutely, absolutely. We are nationwide and global, especially with the podcast. Yes. The podcast can be listened yes. on Spotify almost anywhere in the world. We are international at best. Yes, we are. Absolutely. Oh, so this goes all over the world. Oh. It does. It absolutely does. In, in all seriousness, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Robert, people don't know who you are, so give people a little bit of your background so that we know who you are before we get into what you do and, and everything. So give us a little bit about your background. Well, I would say that actually my whole life has been about answering the question, what can I do to make a difference in my life? What can I do to live a life that matters? And I believe that, so I've given a lot of focus to working with leaders in uh, government, working with a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs who are in a position to make things happen. I have to admit I'm attracted to the power and the people with power and people with money and people want to make a difference. We're in a position to make some kind of difference. But I've worked with probably hundreds of uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs of small to medium-sized enterprises, and I understand that's what the uh, audience is made up of. A few other highlights. I'm the co-founder of a group called the uh, Harvard Leadership Project, which is supposed to sound impressive, I guess. I'm also the author of a book called Masterful Coaching. The company that I run is called Masterful Coaching. As I say, we work with CEOs, entrepreneurs at all levels and at all industries. And before you got involved in these entities, did you work for somebody or did you start your own company or both? I started my own company. I, I, I decided I wanted to do conduct leadership weekends. And I had no support. I sat. I had no support, no budget. I sat in my office with a telephone book a long time ago. I don't want to date myself. And I wrote and wrote. I think you already did, but go ahead. (laughs) 
Okay, I enrolled 100 people in uh, something called the Leadership Weekend, and I continued to do that. I didn't do it myself. I built a team. And over the years, uh, 30,000 people participated in these Leadership Weekends in Boston, New York, Montreal, Miami, Zurich, London, Berlin, and uh, probably a bunch of other places as well. I learned a lot because I worked with so many people. I, I became a great aficionado of people. I believe very much in the power of love and business, and I, I try to interact with everyone I come across in a way that leaves them in a better space than when I found them. Well, that's always a good approach in life, right? Always leave people better off than when they started. Before we get a little bit more into your background, I, I wanted to ask one more question about your background. So these leadership conferences, were they basically just a conference you put on and you just hosted it and created the event, or are you the actual main speaker? No, I would, these were like marathon events. I would, I would put on a, let's say I would get off a plane in Zurich, Switzerland. They'd drive me to the Zurich Hilton Hotel. There'd be a hundred people in the room and I would stand up in front of the room, let's say on Thursday night and go till 12 o'clock at night and then come back Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So it was kind of like a 60 hour marathon event. And, uh, my commitment is, is that everybody who, every one of the hundred CEOs or founders or, or team members in the room would have a life-altering experience. And we did a survey at a certain point. I don't remember exactly when, but it said 70% of the people said they had a life-changing experience. I was very, very committed to each and every individual in the room. It wasn't like, it was what I would call transformative learning, where I would, you know, have a coaching conversation with someone would go up to the front of the room and I'd have a coaching conversation and it wouldn't stop till they had some kind of breakthrough. Some of the people were up there for three hours, some of the people up there for two hours. But as the thing went on, we got some momentum and it would be up there for 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, two minutes. It was a very, very powerful thing. And then after a while, what happened is these uh, leadership weekends started to become pretty famous and we started to attract CEOs of major companies like Adidas. Uh, this one was in Switzerland, so it was the uh, Zurich Financial Services, Novartis, and they brought me in to, to do uh, to coach their CEOs and their teams uh, to have the same kind of transformative experience that people are having in these in these weekends. So you're like a, uh, an Anthony Robbins type. No, I look at him as more of a motivational speaker. My goal is to actually interact with uh, CEOs and founders in a way that helps them to make their vision reality. So Masterful Coaching is a company that now doesn't focus so much on three-day programs, but rather working with a CEO or founder over the course of three months or six months or nine months or a year to actually make whatever vision they start out as uh, reality. And today what we talk about a lot or what we work with a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs on is uh, building a legendary company. That, that's our goal. So we say we help the daring build legendary companies that improve the lives of every person they touch. And you can't do that in a three-day seminar. It takes a little bit longer. It takes five days, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just like your radio show. You have an impact in 30 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> so one of the things, I, you and I had an earlier conversation, and one of the things, you, you came up with seven drivers of exponential business growth, basically what, going from like 1 million to 10, or is it going like from 100 million to well, a billion? Well, if I was speaking to the CEOs, founders, business people in your audience, what we do is I ask you a question, and the question is, are you ready to take your business from 1 million to 10 million, from 10 million to 100 million, from 100 million to a billion? You know, that may be over the 
size of the audience, but we have a process for helping CEOs and founders scale their business, and it's called Blueprint to a Billion. How do you like that name? I like it a lot. I like and it a lot. I've come up with seven business drivers or, or seven drivers of exponential business growth that uh, I talk to people about. And the idea is that we work on not on a single one of those drivers. We work on the geometry of your business. So let's say if you do one of the, if you make a big improvement with one of those drivers, it can improve the, your revenue this year maybe by 10%. But if you work on two or three or four of those drivers, it could, it could you know, send your revenue to the roof this year or next year, 20, 30, 40, even 10x, 2x, 10x, 2x, 3x, even 10x percent, which we've actually delivered with a number of clients. And, and is this one-on-one coaching or? Uh, we work both with uh, CEOs and founders and teams. Usually it takes the team to, to – always takes the team to do this kind of thing. I, I wrote down a note today, alone, imp- making the impossible future – achieving an impossible future alone. You know, that doesn't happen. It takes teamwork and it takes collaboration. So very often we work with a CEO or founder and their team. However, in many cases, the CEO or founder has no team, and that's one of the things I want to talk about today. Well, so what, what, let's talk about that before we go over those seven seven items. So uh, talk about that approach and building the team. One of the things that um, you, if you heard of, you, you, are you familiar with Peter Drucker, the guy who's yes, absolutely. invented modern He's an economist. He's an economist. Well, one of the things that Peter Drucker said is that most people don't distinguish between an entrepreneur and a proprietor, okay? So an entrepreneur is someone that does Someone like Stephen Jobs or Jeff Bezos or uh, the um, Ryan Chesky, the guy that uh, started a- Airbnb, they do something creative, something innovative, something new that has an impact. The vast majority of uh, CEOs and founders are not that. They're, they're uh, proprietors who do the same thing that's been done a thousand times before. For example, somebody running a, a delicatessen in, in New York City or a uh, Taqueria in uh, uh, Los Angeles or a dry clean, a pizza place in, in Orlando. So what I try to do is to get people to make the shift from being a proprietor that gets up every morning, I don't know if you have Dunkin' Donuts where you are, and <laughs> says to themselves, i got to make the donuts, to being an entrepreneur, which starts with asking yourself, what am I doing that's original? And if not original, that's at least different or better than the next guy. So I found the, the vast majority of CEOs and founders I've met with over the years of small to medium-sized enterprise in the single digits, one million to a ten million, are, are proprietors. I try to get them to make the shift to start to start to think like an entrepreneur. Start to think in terms of what can I do that's original, what can I do that's different or better. But the people that think that way are actually very few and far between. Have you discovered that for yourself, Brian? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, an entrepreneur. Doesn't necessarily. It could be one million. It could be a hundred thousand dollars, or it could be even a billion dollars. Because you know, like you'll, you're a, you're an attorney, right? What type of attorney are you? A good Just one. Use you as an a attorney. good one. What's that? <laughs> a good attorney. <laughs> no, I'm a business litigator. A business litigator. So, what do you do that original, different, or better than the next guy? I bet, I'm sure you do something, or you probably wouldn't be on this. One is that you have a radio show, <laughs> but besides that, I'm sure. What do you do something? original, different, better than the guy down the street. Well, certainly. Uh, you know, to me, it's a very 
people don't realize this, not every attorney is the same, okay? And it's you have to be creative when you're getting ready for a trial or even to proceed to a trial. You have to go through certain steps. And what you learn in law school and what you learn working for other attorneys is it's kind of the boilerplate system. But you have to be creative. And if you're not creative, you're not going to get through. And that's where I win my cases. I win my cases because I'm creative and I come up with things that people didn't think of. So that's kind of the similar concept. How many attorneys do you think there are in the United States? I'd guess. Or Los Angeles. Well, Los Angeles is different than the United States. Probably, I don't know, 40,000, 50,000. Okay. Now, how many invented LegalZoom.com? Or the equivalent of uh, actually, that. Actually, hey, I could do this a different way. Actually, but there are there totally are scale I, my business. Right, I know the story and I know the founders, and so technically there were two, but it's listed as three. Okay, but <laughs> you see, out of those fifty thousand attorneys that you mentioned, most were what Peter Drucker would call proprietors. Out of that fifty thousand, uh, this is an exaggeration, but there were maybe three entrepreneurs who created something like LegalZoom.com. So that, I'm trying to inspire people to say, look, what, what you know, here I am, an attorney, or I'm a banker, or I'm a, a fisherman. Uh, what what opportunities do I have that are hidden in plain view uh, for growing my business? That's uh, in you know the LegalZoom.com is an example. But you, you asked me about a team. One of the things I also noticed about CEOs and founders of small to medium-sized businesses is they don't have a team. What I found usually is the case is once people start to reach a million plus in revenue, what happens is they don't have a team. They have some assistants, a group of assistants. And the assistants are made, aren't made up of professional people, you know, high-performing, professional, passionate people. The assistants, I, I don't want to insult the listeners, but I am provocative. Probably many of the people on this show are running a business or, or listening to this show, are running a business with a group of assistants who are waifs, orphans, or interns. And, you know, you can't scale a business with waifs, orphans, and interns. You, you have to really build a team. Well, we're trying to figure out how to build a team, right? So I want to go over two things before we end the show today. One is I want to go over how to build a team. And two, I want to go through those seven concepts about scaling a business. I want to make sure we yeah, get that, through that those. Yeah, that is one of, the, one of those concepts that we can just integrate that okay. into the discussion. So we're talking about building a team, right? Right. And so how do you build a team? I mean, like, how do you hire your first person? You are going to be as successful in my belief, and this is a belief, an opinion, you're going to be as successful as the people you hire. And if you don't hire good people, it's going to be very hard to succeed, even if you have a great concept. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of businesses, let's say CEOs, entrepreneurs, proprietors who are listening to this, they may not have the budget to be able to build a whole team. But usually what it takes to start to grow a business or scale a business is to be willing to invest the money in hiring that one person. And hiring a person that is not only somewhat talented and professional, but who believes in you and what you're up to. So investing money in hiring that one person is the the beginning of building a team. And generally, the way businesses that start to scale fast evolve is you have one inside guy and one outside guy. So in my business, when I started, I was the outside guy, and I had someone working with me by the name of, uh, who was the inside guy, who took care of all the bookkeeping and all the phone calls and you know, all the million and one things that you need to do. 
you know, some people are trying to be both the inside guy and the outside guy. Well, that's hard. And obviously, when you start out on day one, if it's only your show, then you have to do both. But I absolutely correct. One person is going to be better at inside. One person is going to be outside. And you have to start to build a team. What is the biggest characteristic you look for when you're building a team, when you're trying to hire somebody? That's a good question. I'm looking for someone. Well, one of the things that I, I think I've gotten pretty good at from having worked with so many people is the ability to spot talent. That's a very good skill, believe it. Yeah, so I'll give you an example. that I have like this property outside of Boston. has got like 15 acres of land. And one day, uh, last um, week or so, we had a blowout rainstorm with, with two or three inches of rain. And I had to find people to help me to put the property back together. So I drove down to the local Home Depot where there were a lot of uh, workers that called global, a global workforce. And I got a crowd of 50 guys standing around me looking for a job. And I look at the crowd of that 50 guys, and for some reason or other, I said, that guy over there. I put that guy in my car, and I pick another two guys, and I drive home, and I said, wow, these guys are like cool. These guys are fantastic. So one of the things you have to do is have an eye for talent. What are the things that you're looking for? One is you're looking for someone who is very, very smart and capable, and who may or may not have the education educational credentials to prove that. And you discovered they're smart and capable, not by looking at their resume, but by watching them work. Two, they need to be good character people. And you can tell little things by whether someone's a good character person or not. You know, doing everything with excellence, with a commitment to excellence versus doing it good enough. And three, they've got to be very hardworking. I don't know if you've listened much to... uh, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, who's a who's a uh, billionaire, he said, um, one thing you can be sure is that n- nobody's going to outwork me. So those are things that I look for. And not everybody's a hard worker. A lot of people are lazy. Okay, but if you're just picking somebody in a line at Home Depot, or you're just picking out somebody that came to your interview, how are you going to know that? What are you looking for in that five or ten minutes that you have to make a decision? Well, I can't really answer that question. It comes from being a lifetime of being a people watcher. Okay. I look for exceptional people wherever I go. It could be in an airport lounge. It could be in a, a London tube. It could be in a restaurant. It could be in a lineup at a Home Depot. You have to really be interested in people. So it's hard for me to really answer that question directly. It, it comes from a lifetime of experience. How would you answer that question yourself? Let me turn it back to you. How do you spot good people? Okay, so fine. Uh, depending on what I'm looking for. If I'm looking for a good worker, obviously I want somebody who who's eager, who's like, you know, pushing to get something, right? That's one thing. Two, if yeah. something falls on the floor and I see the guy pick it up, I know he's paying attention to detail, right? And I, I also right. know he's probably a good worker because everybody else is just tied up in the moment. But I see that guy pick it up. It's like he or she is looking for details and making sure everything gets done. And he doesn't really care about whether or not he's, you know, Oh, I'm picking up garbage. It's not a big deal to that person, right? Those are the type of things I would look for, you know? Yeah, well, I can't really, I can only tell by intuition where I'm looking at a bunch of resumes or I'm at a lineup at a Home Depot. But really, the way I tell, I think you said you kind of put me into it, is by watching how people work. I can, that, that's where I can tell in half an hour or an hour where someone is uh, the right person for the job. So, first of all, before I go any further, Tracy, did you have any questions that you wanted to ask, or do you want me to continue? No, 
I think you guys are on a great pathway. I mean, I would just like to know some of the challenges or the pitfalls of clients that you've worked with. What are some, you know, maybe the top three challenges that you see outside of building the team? Because I know that's that's a critical part of it. But what are the top three challenges that you, you really see with entrepreneurs who are trying to scale their businesses? And maybe you could even break it down by if you're trying to get to a million, if you're trying to get to five million. And just what are those challenges that they're facing? All right, maybe I could just weave that in. Uh, I'm not sure how much time we have. So let's say our goal is to take our business from $1 million to $10 million, or even from 500000 to a million. So the first multiplier is, as I put it like this, the biggest opportunity you have in 2024 to grow your business is to build a personal brand, a personal and organizational brand. There's a lot of people who are listening right now, and don't be scared if I use big numbers and the millions or the 10 millions. Of don't worry, Tracy's very good with math. Go ahead. There, there, are, there, are a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of people out here listening to this who honestly and truly believe that they are the best in the world at what they do, but their business is stuck in the no-growth morass, and they don't know how to get unstuck. And you, you, the only way to get unstuck is to start building a personal brand so that you start out, stand out from the crowd, and that the world starts to beat a path to your doorstep. Now, when I started out in my career, it was probably similar to when you started out in your legal career. I wanted to advertise my services with Matchable Coach. I wanted to advertise my leadership weekend. But it was damn expensive. I couldn't afford to put an ad on TV. I couldn't afford to put an ad on the radio. I couldn't afford to put an ad on the bus. I couldn't afford even to, to buy a booth at a conference because everybody said that was what you're supposed to do. It was very, very expensive. And the reason I say is that in, in 1924, the uh, biggest opportunity you have to grow your business to build a personal brand is that now it's become very cheap. You can build a personal brand using social media, and getting tons of free attention that I could never, ever get when I was starting out. And not only can you get a lot of free advertising using social media, but you can also get a lot of free content using uh, generative AI. I admit sometimes I'm going to put a post someplace on LinkedIn. I've got a few ideas. I type out a few sentences, and presto, within a few minutes, I have something that's a reasonably good post that I go back over and fix up. So that's a, a huge opportunity. And I think everyone out here listening should tell themselves and should realize that the best CEOs in the world create a personal brand that drives their organizational brand. That's what happened with, with Steve Jobs. You wouldn't have bought Apple computers without Steve Jobs. That's what happened with Jeff Bezos. That's what happens with Warren Buffett. That's what happens with Richard Bransman, but those are big names that are easy for me to just pull off the top of my head. So brand leads sales. If you build a personal brand, it's going to really drive your sales. That's a very, very important point. And my company, by the way, we are creating a digital brand media agency that if anybody's interested in, uh, we could talk because while it's cheaper to buy a personal brand, to build a personal brand than it was in the past, you know, it, there's a lot of work involved, and it can be somewhat overwhelming. So that that's uh, point one of my seven multipliers. Tracy, you there? Yes, I'm here. And I was trying to avoid the background noise and then realized I was on mute, so you couldn't hear all the fabulous things I was saying. 
speaking of fabulous, you've been such a great guest, and we appreciate you so much. And I know people are going to want to continue this conversation with you. What is the best way for people to contact you if they want to learn more about your digital agency to build a personal brand or just your coaching services or just to connect and ask you a question? Well, okay. So I'll give you several things. One, you can connect with me on LinkedIn if you're on LinkedIn, uh, Robert Hargrove on LinkedIn. The other is uh, my email, Robert Hargrove, H-A-R-G-R-O-B-E, uh, 611 at gmail.com, uh, Robert Hargrove, 611 at gmail.com. A third is you can call our office number and book an appointment, 617-953-5252, 617-953-5252. And we can have an exploratory conversation, no pressure. We just engage in, in a discussion. So thank you well, very we- much for uh, giving me that opportunity. Absolutely. Well, we know here on the Ask Brian Show that one of the best ways to build a personal brand is to have a podcast, and that's why Peter and I turn this amazing radio show that we do live into a podcast, and you can find that podcast anywhere that you listen or find your favorite podcast, and that's Apple, that's Spotify, iHeartMedia, Amazon, all of the platforms, but you really need to do one specific thing, which is start for Ask Brian podcast, and we're going to remind you how to spell it once again, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, and just search for the Ask Brian podcast on all the listening platforms, and you can capture all of this information, and we'll also have all the contact information for Robert in the show notes as well. So, Peter, back to you. Thank you, Tracy. Robert, we have about three to four minutes left, so I know you wanted to get in those seven concepts. At least uh, you may have to go quicker than you wanted to, and we can engage them later on if we can pass those seven. But let's go at least over those seven items. Okay, so again, to review, the number one is building a personal brand. Brand leads sales. If I could help you, Ryan, to build a personal brand, it would drive those legal steps. When you go out and buy a pair of Nike shoes for $200, let's say, you don't buy them because someone sold them to you. You buy them because it's a brand. Okay, so that's, that's point one. Point two is it takes leadership to scale a business. It just doesn't happen. And what is leadership about? Well, you know, it has something to do with having a vision. But even more importantly, it takes having an intention. I don't know if you understand exactly what I mean or if I'm making it clear when I say to scale a business, you have to have a very strong intention to make that happen. And not only in addition to intention, you have to take a lot of initiative. I notice with a lot of small business owners, they, they're, they're sort of like in a comfort zone and they don't take enough initiative to go to the next level, which means taking action. Three is hire, don't just have a bunch of waste, orphans, and uh, interns, hire a team of aberrant geniuses who play as a team. I think one of the things that happens with, as companies grow they start to hire people who are more and more bland, more and more average, more and more normal. problem is you can't be normal and get abnormal results. Steve Jobs wasn't normal. Elon Musk isn't normal. I don't even think Jeff Bezos, who walks around with a cowboy hat on half the time, is normal. Now, these are big guys, but you can use smaller examples. Four, everything starts with a great product. That's a quote from Steve Jobs. But what that really means is everyone who's listening to this and wants to grow their business, should say, say them, tell themselves, what I need is a breakthrough value proposition. What do I do that's original, or what do I do that's at least better or different 
than the next person. Like in your legal steps video series, you know, that's different. I, I'd rather call you up and spend $150 to buy a whole program of what I need to do to legally incorporate than I need to go and call a lawyer, vet three or four different lawyers, and then spend a $1,500 or $2,000 or $3,000. Okay, um, breakthrough value proposition. Next, another thing you need to do besides having a breakthrough value proposition is you need to build an organization that's capable of delivering on the proposition. There was an, an org company in Boston that I called because I needed a new roof on my house. And they came over and they gave me a great, they gave me a, they counted them, they did a, a satellite image of my house and the number of shingles, but they never called me back to give me an estimate. They didn't have enough of an organization to, to actually deliver on giving me an estimate or probably to actually provide the service. So it's very important to build, once you come up with a breakthrough value proposition, to have an organization that can deliver on the proposition. Okay, to build an organization where everyone is in sales and marketing. If you have a company and you only have one or two or three salespeople or one salespeople that is in sales and marketing, you're really overlooking a great opportunity. Everyone from the CEO to the finance manager to the operations manager should be part of making sales. Everyone should be involved in sales and marketing. If you have one person in sales, you have a 10-person company and you only have one person in sales, imagine what would happen if by next week or next month you have eight or 10 people who are actively involved in marketing and sales and generating revenue. Uh, And the last one I have for today is break into new markets through big brother partnerships uh, with with companies in in other areas of the country. Well, thank you very much. You listen to the Ask Brian Radio Show with Robert Hargrove. Uh, You can listen to the podcast if you want. You'll listen to KHS 1220 98.1 FM. Over and out! Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.